0: Huh? He still asked me, "Like, what do we, what do we do now?" <laughs> and I, I do feel like some things that the Lord has showed me over this past week, I think I need to share with us as a congregation because I feel like God is birthing something. I think, I feel like He's starting something in us, actually. And I think this is just the beginning, just the beginning. And I don't know how it's going to come out, what I've got to share, it might be a bit all over the show, but I, I just there's a sense of the Lord has play, he's put something in me. He's good. There's this nervous expectation and excitement of what's to come, and I don't know how it's going to all come out, but it's just the Lord, I feel like the Lord's going to do something over the next season. And I feel like I need to prepare us for that, actually. How, how are we going to walk in that which He's got for us? So, I maybe just thought a little bit, just sharing, so last week, we had the elders camp last weekend, and uh, I felt the Lord really come and speak to me, like right at the beginning, the very first meeting Andrew shared, but it wasn't, he didn't, it wasn't on what he shared or anything like that. It had actually nothing to do with that. We were just in a time of worship, and I felt the Holy Spirit come and begin to speak to me, begin to minister to my heart, begin to remind me of things. And then Luke was behind me, one of my friends, and he came, and he, he began to pray and prophesy over me. And exactly that which I felt the Lord had said, he began to say, and then Milani was next to me, and she's a good friend of ours as well. And she, like, Luke had finished, she kind of came and she said exactly the same thing. I was like, Lord, I heard, I heard, <laughs> I heard. And I felt like the Lord had said to me, he, He's, and this is Luke's words over me, but he had already said it. He said, Lord, God's called you to be wild. He's called you to be a wild man, and you've become tame. And I was like, oh, Lord, I know. I do, I feel like, and there's been that inner struggle in me always of fighting flesh, fighting ambition, and, and, and killing the flesh in me so that I wouldn't. But then sometimes that very thing stops you from, it, it becomes a ceiling. It becomes that like, okay, what are they going to think? What are they going to do? Is this me? Is this a flesh? Is this a spirit? Is this a flesh? And God just, I felt like him say to me, Ross, I've dealt with those things. It's a spirit. Go with it. <laughs> Go with it. And I felt like that if you saw now we were worshiping and I and and I got this and I (laughs) sc And I was worshiping in the eldest time and I just there's this remember end of last year I preached on worship and there was that one word in worship, halal. And it means that's the word that's described when David ministers before the ark as he brings the ark into Jerusalem. And that word there's It means to tear yourself from the inside out. It's one of the the meanings of that word. And for me, that that has stuck with me. Because often when I find myself worshipping, I felt there's something in me, just, ah, you know, it's this almost like this, Tearing this, yeah, <laughs> you understand? Like, the, and, uh, <laughs> and it's not—sorry, scaring babies—and <laughs> it's not a demonic tearing. It's a—it's a godly, a, ray, a rising up, a, a joy, a, a passion. And I felt like I had these chairs in front of me, and I just—I like, always have this picture of going into battle, going into war, and these warriors standing like, sharp, like holding up their shields and their swords, going, yeah. And I like, and that's it. When I'm in worship, that's often I feel like that. Often I feel like that, and I'd stop being that though. Like maybe I jump up and down sometimes, but I'd stop. Like and i just felt the Lord just come and remind me, just say, "Come on, man, I've called you more." So it might get a bit wild for you guys. That's all right. You'll be all right. I'll do my. (laughs) We'll do our best to help explain. And but sometimes we get so worried about people. And losing people, or, or trying, to, trying to just keep the balance good, you know? There's, we've got to keep it balanced, you know? We've got to keep this fine line between the, the, the Spirit and, and, and the Word and everything. And like, God's like, no, man, just sometimes just be wild in the Spirit and sometimes be grounded in the Word, but there's both. And I feel like we're coming into a season of that, actually, of a wild and wacky,ness if you want to call it that. So I'm hoping to maybe ground you guys in that because if and when it does happen that we don't all run out the back door going, what is going on? <laughs> because I'm a little concerned actually. There's not, everyone's not here this morning. I did say you go, I didn't say they could choose. I said if you absolutely cannot come to the gathering, go to the gathering. But that's why, because actually I want to show the importance, the importance of those meetings the value of those things, apostolic input. But neither do we neglect. Neither do we neglect, actually. And I feel like from this place, you might have to settle some people as things begin to happen in us. You guys might have to help them understand and explain. And I felt like the Lord, the, one of the things he, said, he, he whispered in my ears is He says, we cannot
1: settle. We cannot settle. It's a time, it's up us 10. And
0: um, he gave me this picture as I was spending time with him this week. Um, I was standing in a, in a position of oversight in a valley, like at a raised hill or one of the... And I was looking down this valley, and I saw... It was almost like, you know, picture Bible times, like... like um, meadows and, and, and f- uh, what you call it, where, f- where their flocks are. And there were wells that had been dug in this valley. You could kind of see them like right all the way down. I had this me- like incredible view down the valley. And there were these wells that had been dug over time. And they were for watering flocks and for, ir- and for irrigating the land. And um, as I was standing, I was looking, I felt this trembling. I felt this rumbling. I felt this... The earth began to shake beneath my feet, actually. And all of a sudden, these wells began to pop. And as far as I could see, these wells began became fountains, exploding all the way down the valley, like geysers. Have you ever seen a geyser, a hot water geyser, burst forth? It's this incredible picture. I actually went onto YouTube just to look and see. It's like this, it bubbles, 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 and all this goes. And this water just meters into the air, and it sprays water all around it. And I felt like the Lord saying, this is what I'm about to do. Like, (laughs) it's pretty exciting. uh, It's pretty exciting. But this is the thing. The the, the picture of this is it's his spirit. And those wells were men and women that had faithfully labored and dug, just dug wells, intimate places, intimate relationships, uh, times with him. And then he was coming, and he was going to birth something through them, just this explosion, and then I felt him bring it remind me of the scripture in, uh, in 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 Genesis. It talks about No uh, <laughs> sorry Noah, and um, it speaks about when it began to rain that the fountains of the deep were opened. Now, before Noah, the time before Noah, it never rained. I don't know if you ever know that. It said the earth was watered with a fine mist. It would never actually rained. But the time of Noah—that was one of the th- reasons why, like guys, when he said the flood is coming, people couldn't calculate, they couldn't comprehend that because it had never rained before. It was never—it was something new to them—and that's actually one of the things that makes it even a bigger step when you realise that. It makes it even a bigger step of faith for Noah. But it speaks about the rain started, but the fountains of the deep were opened. And actually, scientifically, they've gone back and they checked, and there was, actually was water that was stored up in the close to the, earth, the core of the earth, the center, there's a specific place for it. And these, for in order for it to actually flood the way it did flood, these fountains of the deep would have to flow forth. The rain for that amount of time, no matter how hard, wouldn't have actually flooded the earth. And it speaks about that. And I felt like the Lord said to me, he said, Ross, in the times of Noah, I used water to, to, to rid the earth of sin and evil. He used it to come and purge the earth of these things. But in that same picture that I'm giving you, in these times I will use my spirit to come and to highlight areas of sin and to purge evil and sin from our people. And there's something when we're in the presence of God, when you're in His presence and you're in the manifest presence of God all of a sudden you realize very quickly how insignificant you are, how ugly you are, how sinful you are. But you see his grace and his mercy, and it 's so much bigger than all of these things. I always I love that term. The closer to the cross you get, the more more ugly you realize you really are and there 's something of in his presence in his in him. He will begin to highlight things. He will begin to bring things up and he will begin to purge things in his people. We will come running. I've, I've, I've often heard of times of revival. People come running to the front, like crying for his grace and his mercy because there's something inside of them. They realize actually how much they need him. And I felt like the Lord saying, that's what I want to do, my people. It's not like we're going to have to go looking for these little things. I'm going to bring these things out and they're going to want to get rid of them as quick as possible. As quick as possible. Andrew was sharing with the elders over this week, and he used an analogy. Um, this, this bottle of water here that I've got here looks good. You don't, all of you guys would drink this, right? Maybe not because I've drunk it. But <laughs> but if there was a fly in this water, the whole bottle would be polluted, right? None of you would drink it. If there was a fly floating around in here, would you drink it? Who would drink it? <laughs> It depends how thirsty you are but that tiny little fly has the ability to pollute this entire bottle of water and it's the same with sin but those flies in us only get highlighted by the spirit as the spirit breaks forth in us and amongst us i feel like god's going to begin to bring these things so i hope as i'm sharing these things something in you is going what's to come what's to come because i do really really feel like the lord is wanting to set us up for this he's wanting to stir us up for this there is so much more for us guys there is so much more for us and i felt him remind me of this picture of um i loved it because war like vigor ex- like just that 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 feeling that i get that i was had actually now when i was worshiping reminded me of the wall with the israelites as they were the the many fights they had as they came into the promised land and uh, i felt the lord reminding me this as well you know the story just before the israelites cross into the promised land i think it's in numbers i want to put that up quickly numbers 32 to to from one all the way to 42 it's a long passage of scripture i'm not going to read it all but i'm going to tell you a little bit about it so Maybe just to give you a little bit of context, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad, those were the two two brothers um, of the twelve um, they had just conquered a massive part of the land, not in the promised land yet, but they saw that the land was good for their stocks and they were, they were a large group of people and they had many many flocks, and they wanted that land. They came to Moses and to the high, to Eleazar and to the other Elders, and they said to them, Would you give us this land as an inheritance? Maybe let's read from verse 6. But Moses said to the people, Now, this is the first response, his very first response to them. Moses said to the people, People of Gad and to the people of Reuben, shall your brothers go to war while you sit here? Why will you discourage the heart of the people of Israel from going over into the land that the Lord has given them? Your fathers did this when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. Now what he's referring to is when Caleb and Joshua were one of the spies that went into the land. He's referring back to that moment. They came back and the report of the ten spies was bad. They, those ten spies had the power to make the people's hearts sick. That they did not want to possess the promise. They did not want to possess the land. And Moses, in this moment, he comes against them and he rebukes them and he says to them, I'm warning you guys, this is not the way to go. The few of you that want to do this, you two tribes, have the ability to make the people's hearts sick. That they will not inherit that which God has for them. Because God had clearly said he wanted them to cross the Jordan into the promised land. And I think there's something for us in this. That the few of us can affect the majority of us, actually, when it comes to possessing an inheritance, when it comes to being a people that settle. Because we don't want to be a people that settle. But then what does Moses say to them? He says, if you come across the river, if you send your fighting men across the river and fight for your brother's inheritance, you can have this land and settle here. But make sure that you go across, because if you don't, you're coming with us. And there's something of... A unity as the people move together, as the people of Israel move together, as they fight in unity together for the promised land, God gives them the promised land because he commands a blessing with his unity. And I felt like him speaking to me through this, that we can become a people that settle. that see the good land. It's comfortable. Not too much going on, but it looks good. Got a lot of flocks. We can, we can do this. God's called us to more, man. God's called us to much more. Are we going to, I almost felt the, the phrase, a holy discontentment that he wants to stir in us, an expectation for more. Because if we don't have that, we're just going to settle. We're just going to settle. Then he took me from there, he took me to, to, um, to the next part with Jacob and Esau. You guys all know the story of Jacob and Esau, Right? Twins, born at the same time. Jacob, or well, Esau comes out first, and Jacob comes out hanging on to Esau's heel. It's almost like right from the beginning he wanted what Esau had. Eh? It's interesting, eh? Right from the beginning he wanted what Esau had. And how's the scripture in Malachi 1 verses 2 to 3? I have loved you, says the Lord. He's speaking to Israel. But you ask... How have you loved us? Was not, was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. That's strong language. And I have turned his hill country into wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. God loved Jacob. Why did he love Jacob so much? Because Jacob did not despise that birthright. Esau did. Esau despised his birthright. He despised the inheritance. God had clearly given an inheritance and Esau didn't want it. But Jacob fought for it. Jacob came out hanging on for it. So much so, he deceived his brother. He got him to sell him his birthright and then he deceived his father into actually receiving it. He was so hungry for that inheritance. And that actually pleased God. It pleased him so much so. And I felt like, are we going to be a people that are like Jacob or like Esau? Are we going to settle or are we going to fight for the inheritance? And we were praying upstairs now and, and Nicola just, don't even know if she knows what she said, but she said uh, something about Jacob rolling away the, the well. She had no idea what I had the lid of the well son. I'll give you a bit of context to that. She had no idea what I was going to share. And it just made me realize, you know in the story, I think it's in Genesis, where is it, Genesis 29 verses 8, Jacob rolls the stone away from the well. That's when, um, remember Laban's daughter, Rebecca, his future wife? She comes, and uh, he's at the well. He sees a couple of the, the, the shepherds there, and they said, we don't remove the, the, the lid of the well at, in, in the middle of the day because not everyone's here. When everyone gets here, we'll do it. And Rebecca arrives and Jacob sees her and he removes the cap. Sorry, did I say Rebecca? Rachel. He re- <laughs> right, there's you can just remind me, Rachel. He removes the cap of the well at an untimely time. You, th- there's something in this. Jacob represents the pursuit of the inheritance. He represents the hunger for what God has. And he comes and he uncaps the well and he gives water and he, and he, he waters the flocks of, of Rachel. And I just, in that moment, I just realized that's, that's it. That's what brings forth the fountains of the deep. It's an expectation and a hunger and a waiting because there's nothing that we can do. God does it when he wants to do it. But are the people in unity in their hunger? Are the people in unity to, pers- to pursue that what he's got for us? Because we're going ex- to go into this time. We're going to experience this time. But are we, some of us going to be in doubt? Or are some of us going to be like, I don't know if I agree with God, what's going on. I don't, I'm not actually even in this thing. And that can hinder us. And what I'm sharing this morning could actually come across quite, quite hectically, as I, or quite strongly as I get there. But I want to say something quickly, maybe just before before I get there. So that picture of, of fighting for your brother's inheritance, fighting for that which is actually not yours, it's your brother's. Jesus did that. He modeled that. Jesus wasn't all about his inheritance. He was about our inheritance. So much so to the fact that he died on the cross for us. He models it. The perfect example to us. He does it.
1: And I was like, that's exactly what it looks like. So I want to maybe pick up from from what Andrew
0: said yesterday. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of condensing this a little bit as well. Because I just, I think the Lord's done a lot already in worship. He's kind of showed us. What he wants to do. Andrew said something yesterday. He, w- he was talking um, just about, he used Aussie. Were you, you guys were there? Were you there? So the guy that shared his testimony, Aussie. I don't know if you caught that. But the community that he was in when God did all of this was Emil and Cindy's community in Durbanville. Like, he said it very quickly, but I don't know if, I didn't realize that. I was like, hang on a second. And he said something, Ozzy. He said after he'd been there for a while, his community leader came to him, which is Emil. And he said to him, he said, you need to stop visiting. And I just, in that moment, Ozzy said that, I was like, I just heard Emil's voice, because that's so Emil. That's exactly what he would do. He's like, you need to stop visiting and get involved, climb in. Because there's something of belonging. Where was I going with this? <laughs> oh, this is what. So that's what that's what Aussie said, right? And I th- and I want to take that line, and kind of what those words, what Emil said. Actually, st- stop visiting. We can't be a people in unity if you're sitting on the fence. You, we cannot be a people like. Would you? Would you die for something that you're not fully involved in? Fully into? And, I, and I'm, I know I'm messing with some of your guys' theologies even right now because you can ask people, would you, would you die for the church? A lot of people would say no. Most people's theology, I'll die for Jesus. I'll die for God. I'm not going to die for the church though. I want to ask you, why not? Jesus died for the church. This is his bride, it's his body. It's the fullness of Him made known. Why not? And if your heart is not there, actually, that you're willing to die die
1: for this. I question if you're a visitor or if you part. I'm just, just, it
0: sounds very strong, but it's the truth. We can't, like, I'd rather go to war with 30 violent, unified, powerful people then a, a hundred falling around behind me. Makes sense. God, and I understand there is, a, there, there is discipleship. This is a process. This is a dismantling sometimes, even of people's theology and understanding in these things and discipling people into this thing. There is that too. But there is something in our hearts that go, oh my goodness, we've tasted and we've seen. I, can, I cannot. I cannot. I cannot do without actually and I felt like the Lord wanting to stir that in us because unless we come to that place we cannot walk in whoopsie we cannot walk in unity if we are doubting and wondering
1: we are gonna settle on that side of the river making sense what I'm saying is it good <laughs> and I know I might be ruffling some feathers
0: Guys, we're not here to play games, though. We're here for the kingdom. We're here to see the kingdom come. We're here to see, to wage war against spiritual principalities and rulers in high and dark places. We're not here to get our ears tickled with good, fancy teaching. We're here to fight. We're here to, to, to fight for one another we have to love one another. That's what, the, that's what church looks like. That's what the kingdom looks like. It doesn't look like good teaching. It doesn't look like slick worship. It doesn't look like a well-planned meeting. It looks like people dying for one another. It looks like people loving one another. That's what he's coming back for. And until we are that, we're not in unity. But again, I'm saying we're moving towards that. So I hope, I hope I'm Maybe your heart's going, oh my goodness Ross, what you're saying is very hard for me to hear. Maybe you're feeling pushed into a corner. I don't don't demand more from you than Jesus does. It's It's his words, not mine. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. And I will continue to say that until the day I die. If I say it every Sunday, every preach, every opportunity, seek first the kingdom of heaven in everything we do. And there is a devotion to Him and His things that I feel the Lord is wanting to deepen in us because I do feel like we haven't all been on the same page, actually. And as we grow, that's normal. We don't. We're not on the same page. But people begin... Remember I spoke a little while ago about values. Values, we can understand them, we can hear them, we can sit in the meeting, we can learn what they are, but until they become ours... Until we begin to reproduce those values,
1: we're actually just coming to listen. And we're not a family. It's dead quiet out there.
0: (laughs) I love what he said last night. He said something. He said, if we don't give ourselves,
1: we will not benefit you won't benefit if you don't give your heart. There might be like
0: peripheral benefits, <laughs> but you will not benefit from this. It'll actually probably just be annoying and a bit uncomfortable, especially us because we're quite in people's face. and we, we, we do. Not we, Jesus does demand a higher level of devotion and we preach that and we teach that. A high expectation of just loving him, pouring out our lives for him because it's what we see. But it's easy when, it's, when we've seen. It's easy when we've tasted. And maybe that's what I want to come back to. Because it's the experience. You know this story of Thomas? You know Doubting Thomas? Everyone knows Doubting Thomas? And um, so everybody sees Jesus except for Thomas. And um, they tell him, but he doesn't believe them. Then Jesus appears again. And he says, Thomas, come and put your hands, come and feel the scars in my hand. Come and touch me. And I feel like that's what the Lord is saying to us. That's what he's actually wanting to do through the move of his spirit, is that he's wanting us to experience him, to touch him, to feel him, that this becomes real to us. It's not just spoken about. It's not just talked about. It's not just preached. It's there. It's real. And I felt like those words, that song we were singing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, even in that, Is that there would be a moment for each and every single one of us that we experience him, that we ourselves can touch him, we can touch his hands, his scars, that we see that. Who brought that word? Elaine brought that word. Where's Elaine? Elaine brought that word about Jesus. Like, he caught a glimpse of Jesus in that moment. He's like, what is all this stuff? This is hectic. It catches a glimpse of Jesus and it puts everything into perspective. Am I right? And I feel like that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to give us that experience in Him. Experience will change us. This is not a dead religion. Experience will fire us up to share the gospel. We often we like to talk about, hey, we need to go and share the gospel. and that. But if we've tasted Him, if we've seen Him, if we've experienced Him, we're naturally going to go and share the gospel. We're naturally going to want to come. We're naturally going to be these things. So don't, don't just be these things. Taste Him and see that He is good. It'll prove to you that there's power in the gospel. It'll stir up faith in you. It'll convince you. Remember I shared two weeks ago, about being convinced. Experiencing God will bring you to the place of being absolutely convinced. Convinced. Fully persuaded that He's real, that He's moving, that He's all-powerful, He's able, and He's worthy of our praise.
1: Fully convinced. So, one of the other words that, um, there are a lot of words that I'm kind of
0: submitting to you guys and sharing with you guys, because I feel like the Lord has been speaking. I do feel like the prophetic has been quite quiet in us, actually. And I want to, even that, I'm trusting that it'll be stirred up within us. I want to encourage you guys, those of you who have prophetic voices, bring words, share them in the week, share them with me, share them with any of the elders, because often the Lord speaks through, through, through other people as we try and find what He's wanting to do. So I want to encourage you guys, share. But the word that came was Matthew 3, verses 11. And it's, I baptize you with water for repentance. This is John speaking. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit and fire. Oh, those wells, those wells, those fountains exploding from the deep. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire. The fly in the water will burn when the Spirit falls. And we want to be a people that are waiting on him, ready for him. And I don't even know how to more prepare us for that, actually been speaking with Jeff a little bit about these things just helping people learn to receive and wait on the Lord and I'm hoping he's actually going to share with us in the next couple of weeks maybe to help position us to do that is you wanting to do it now (laughs) (laughs) because I do think there's something of just waiting those those fountains they didn't do anything they just started popping And I'm trusting that we're going to have meetings that all of a sudden we see something happen. And the water that flows over, that's going to wet all of you guys around it. (laughs) Are you going to get wet? That's the picture I see. So we might have meetings where it just gets wild and crazy. So what? But I want to encourage us not, not only to be waiting for now, waiting for a Sunday or waiting for a Wednesday. Every time you get together, be seeking Jesus, man. We had a time, um, Lisa and Rudy brought us a meal. We just moved back into our house. And uh, how late was it? It was like quarter past nine. And um, they were on their way out. And I wasn't even thinking like that. Margot's like, come in, let's just, let's just sing a song. Let's just worship. And I was like, I was tired. I don't feel like it. I think they were too. We were all like, oh, we sort of go home. We'd eaten lacquer. Like and we went. We sat in the lounge, pulled out a guitar, in the wrong key. Eventually we stopped singing. And we just started worshiping the songs that were on our heart. An hour and a half later, it's like an hour and a half later. It was very late then, all of a sudden. And it was just something of the presence of the Lord. Landed up, you landed up getting ministered to and prayed for. Like it was just, how did you feel after that? Refreshed. A well, fountain. But that's the people we need to be all the time. Because I believe that's the people we are in unity together, we're going to see the spirit break out amongst us like we've never, never seen before. Amen. Exciting, eh? Hey, chicken Gail. Are you excited, Gail? <laughs> hey. <yo. laughs> and some of us, some of us might be skeptical, skeptical, but what I'm asking, I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with you. Open your heart. Open your heart. Don't miss it. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Don't miss out. Because what he did to the, Remember what he did to that, that generation in the desert that didn't go. They wandered. For 40 years in the desert, he used another generation.
1: I, I wonder, if we don't find unity together, if we do
0: settle Will we be a generation that miss it? Will he pour out his spirit on the next one? Like we're hungry for and we're wanting to see. I wonder. I don't know. I'm not telling, saying that's what's going to happen, but I'll have to ask myself those questions. Because,
1: you know, there's that song, Who Can Stop the Lord Almighty? We can. We can. We can. We're the
0: only ones that can stop what he wants to do because we don't allow him to do it. It said in he, he, I'm paraphrasing badly now. Uh, when the Israelites, are in the, they want to turn back, it says they prevented, the, oh man, paraphrasing terribly, but they prevented, what I'm saying is they prevented God from doing what he wanted to do. And that's, it says that in the Bible. It says they, pre, they prevented the Holy One of Israel, I think it is, from doing a work in them. So let's not be that people. Let's not be that people. So maybe just as I've been sharing this morning, maybe just, I don't know, maybe your hearts have just been, ah, I'm not, I'm not fully in. I'm not fully aligned. I'm not like, fully surrendered. There's an opportunity to do that. So all you need to do is you go to the, before the Lord and you say, Lord, I repent, man. I repent. And sometimes when we speak like this, the Spirit of the Lord ministers to people's hearts, brings conviction, Conviction produces repentance. Repentance is attractive to his presence. And in his presence, there's a fullness of joy. So maybe, as I've been speaking, some of you have just gone, hey, my heart has just been a little bit out of line. I haven't been fully in. I haven't been fully unified. I haven't been fully committed to this. And I want to give every one of us, because I think there's different places. Some of us have... Been on the fence and we haven't been in. We've got to make the call. Are we in or are we out? Some of us have been in for a long time, but we've just kind of felt a little
1: weary in our commitment to Him and weary in our hunger for Him. And I want to ask us this morning, if that's you,
0: just to to realign your heart, just to respond to Him. Go, Lord, actually, that's me. That's me. So maybe, I'm going to just maybe want to pray for us if that is us. So maybe if that is you, if that just I want you to stand. If you just, and when we stand, we're standing just as a response to what he's doing in our hearts. It's not about other people looking around going, hey, yo, you need to commit. No, 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 no. no. We all need to commit, recommit. We all need to realign our hearts because daily, daily, we need to be, we, we, we become uncalibrated. Daily, we need to get recalibrated to him. So if that's you, if as I've been sharing you, actually it's making something in your heart just alive. It's the Spirit of God speaking to your spirit. He's saying
1: that's you. That's you. I'm to ask you just to, maybe, just to stand so we can pray together. If that's you. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Lord I pray that just as I've been sharing that if
0: you want to minister to hearts, I know you want to minister to hearts this morning. That you would just come and minister to people's hearts. You would come and speak to them, Lord Jesus, as they yield their lives to you. As they surrender their lives again just to you, Lord. A people that don't want to settle, Lord. If we have become a people that settle, a people that are tame, Lord. Pray, Lord, that you would just come
1: and remind us that we're called to be wild. Lord, and I repent. I repent from becoming tame. I repent for settling, Lord. I pray, Lord,
0: that you would come and pop the fountains of the deep, Lord, amongst us
1: and in us, Lord Jesus. Come and pop the fountains of the deep within us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, right now pray. Come Holy Spirit. I felt like last night when we were in worship, I felt like the Lord was actually playing hide and go seek with us.
0: You know, as the Song of Psalms talks about, Andrew also shared that just at the deacon's meeting at the eldest time, about the lover, she's lying in bed, and she can hear her lover at the door.
1: She gets out of, well, she doesn't get out of bed initially. She's all tucked up and, and then eventually she's like, okay, well,
0: I better go. And she gets out and she goes and as she opens the door, he's gone.
1: He's gone. Yeah. And at that point, she becomes desperate. She goes, oh, I, I need to find
0: him. And she, be, and she runs out and she searches everywhere for him.
1: And the Lord says, if you seek me, you will find me. But there is a, a urgency, an urgency and expectation in her heart.
0: And I pray that it's in our heart that we would seek him. That we wouldn't miss this. That we would jump up. We'd run to that door. We'd open it. And we'd go, Lord,
1: where are you? Where are you? Because, Lord, we know you want to pour, you want to pour out your spirit. You want to bless us, Lord. So even right now, just pray for those that are responding, Lord, those that are standing. You would come and you would just, you would do a mighty work in their hearts, Lord Jesus. Come and shift their hearts, Jesus. Come and shift
0: their hearts, Jesus.
1: Lord, I pray supernaturally you would come and bind our hearts together. Supernaturally, Lord Jesus.
0: Supernaturally, Lord, that we wouldn't be a people that settle, but we would be hungry,
1: hungry for that which you've called us to, hungry for the inheritance. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Jesus, so while Holy Spirit just maybe He's ministering to those that have
0: responded. To. You know, there's only an inheritance in Him if you surrendered your life to Him. If you've if you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior.
1: Jesus said this. He says, "No one comes to the Father except through Me. I am the way, the truth, and the life." And he's extending his hand to you, an opportunity for you to come to him,
0: to have access to the Father and eternity with him. There is no inheritance. You heard what Esau's
1: inheritance was. It was given to the jackals. And if you do not step into that line, Allow yourself to be
0: grafted into the family. There is no inheritance. And this morning he's saying to you, if that's you, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have not, the Bible says, confess with your mouth. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. And this is for every single person. The Bible also says he desires all men to be saved, men and women. He
1: desires everyone to be saved. And He is extending His hand to you this morning.
0: And if that's you, I want to encourage you. Why don't you just respond to that? Why don't you come and stand here with me, that we can pray for you? Because actually, that's the most important thing. That's the most important thing. And you get to join in in this inheritance with us.
1: Is anyone like that here? Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. All right. Father, I thank you for those who have responded. I thank you for everybody here,
0: Lord Jesus, but for those that have responded, Lord, their hearts open to you. I pray that you would come and honor their, their step of faith, Lord Jesus, to realigning their hearts, Lord Jesus.
1: You would come and do a deep work in us as a people, Jesus. You would come and knit our hearts
0: and bind our hearts together, Father. that we could just worship you together in spirit and in truth, and we would see your spirit poured out. In Jesus'
1: name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 just
2: praying um, now at the end, and I just saw this um, dull diamond. You know, diamond's just like a stone until it's polished, and edges are chipped off, and it's made into this. It's given the facets that make it shine. Um, And I just felt like, in line with what Ross has been saying, that we need to allow ourselves to be chipped (laughs) in a good way, shaped, in order to properly reflect the glory that God wants to bring out of us and I think that that does come in community and it comes in giving yourself to to a local church and to leadership and to God's ways and I I felt it for me but I I think there might be for others here that you're never going to properly reflect what God wants to bring through your life until you allow him to shape you and grind you and chip you into a, a, a shape that brings him glory. Yeah, and just just to kind of add add to that just as ross been, been preaching you know about fighting for your brother's inheritance and like the, you know like the, like people think but lord what about my inheritance what about what you have for me and actually you know like in god's kingdom you know like, so in the world if you want something you have to work for it and you have to in a, you know if you're in a job and you, you need to you know go up but actually, in God's kingdom, you're not going to walk into, in what God has for you if you actually don't fight for your, for your brother. If you don't lay yourself, your life down, and actually submit and yield and surrender those things, you'll, and fight f- for your brother's inheritance, you'll actually never walk in what God has for you. So, yeah. Okay. Awesome.